and welcome to the eighth episode of Podcastles with me, Georgia, and my sister, Nikita. Hi, everyone. How are we doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. What are we looking at today, Georgia? Today, we are coming to the end of Oxfordshire, so we are looking at our theme, which is the anarchy this week. Excellent. This is my favourite. This is something that came up a lot during the month, and also people have said we'd love to hear more about this topic, so we thought we'd do that and tell you a bit more about the story. Also, castles are very important to the story of the anarchy. They go up all over the place during this time. Some of them go up without licences and without like royal permission. So they didn't get planning permission. We didn't get planning permission. I always think, how are you going to, how do they think they're going to get away with that? Do you think no one will notice? Are they painting it blue with little white clouds in it like they do in Despicable Me, like with the pyramid? Do you think, <laughs> do they think that no one will notice this massive castle going up in the middle of the county? Nothing to see. <laughs> anyway, the anarchy. It's a civil war. Quick summary. Mm-hmm. It's a civil war between two people. One's called Matilda, one's called Stephen. And on the death of Henry I, who's the son of William the Conqueror, the third son of William the Conqueror, on his death, they have a little fight over who they think should be on the throne next. When you say little, it did last 19 years. Mm, And it is known as the anarchy. One chronicler actually refers to it as the 19 years in which God and his saints or God and his angels slept or something like that. Basically saying like, God abandoned his people during this period. It was so bad. The The quote was, they said openly that Christ slept and his saints. It's from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. Some historians now say it shouldn't necessarily be known as the anarchy. That might be a bias that we see come through from the Chronicles. Well, there, there have been some people who have suggested, obviously, Chronicles, they're, they're not quite as rigorous as modern historians. There, there is a lot of poetic license, and so it depends on which side they were on. It depends on it depends on so many things, but also a lot of the chroniclers would have been very close to the action, and so there is an argument to say that it wasn't necessarily that awful for the rest of the like for all of the country all at once. It was bad in those places at that time. For example, William of Malmesbury. I'm pretty sure Malmesbury Castle gets attacked. So he's going to have seen a lot of invasions. Yeah. So he's he's pretty close. So a lot of lot of stabby stabby on his doorstep. <laughs> so as we say, so the chroniclers who are narrators, basically, um, three main ones in this period for the anarchy. We've got William of Malmesbury, which we've mentioned, Henry of Huntingdon, and the guest of Stefani, who we don't actually know who wrote that. Um, some people think it might have been the Bishop of Bath who was Stephen's confessor. So, you know, we don't exactly know who they were. But surprisingly, I've seen a lot of stuff say that obviously there's some bias and some discrepancies between them. But for the period when there is so much artistic license in telling these stories, they remarkably do line up. So some of the facts that we have are pretty certain because all three claim, like, tell the same stories, which is interesting. It's rare. Yeah, it's just the opinions in them. Yes, they then also have opinions. But mm-hmm. let's not get too distracted. I'm sure we could do a whole episode just talking about chroniclers. And I'm sure no one would listen. <laughs> so, as I said, we've got Stephen and we've got Matilda now, why don't you kick us off by talking about Matilda's upbringing up to the point of when Henry I dies? So pre-anarchy, what is Matilda up to? So Matilda was born around 1102 
obviously records are a little bit sketchy back then. So she's born to Henry I of England and Matilda of Scotland. This is Matilda numbers one and two. <laughs> of many. Of this episode. There are, there are more. There are more to come, everybody. As a bit of background on mum and dad, Henry I is the third son of William the Conqueror, who came over from, from Normandy in 1066. And Matilda of Scotland is the daughter of the King of Scotland, surprisingly. And she is of Anglo-Saxon blood. So Henry marries her very early on in his reign because she is what what the Anglo-Saxons know as sort of like a, a female version of an eighthling. And an eighthling is the what you could only become a, a ruler if you were an eighthling um, during during this period. So of England. So he's really strengthening his claim. So he strengthens his claim because you've got the Norman blood and you've got the Anglo-Saxon blood now. They have Matilda and then they have a son called William Adeline. And all's, all's rosy in England. But when she is eight, Matilda leaves for the Holy Roman Empire because she is betrothed to the future Holy Roman Emperor, Henry V, who we're going to refer to as Heinrich, because that is his German And otherwise name. there's too many Henrys. <laughs> so many Henry. Henry. Henry and Matilda are the biggest names in this episode. We're going to give them slightly different names. For, we'll give them titles, I think is probably the best way to do it, and slightly different variations of the names. A lot of the, the books that I read did that, and it was super helpful for understanding what was going on. So we're just going to name him Bob now, actually. <laughs> yeah. Just, so, well, you can't call him Bob because there's a Robert. Oh, no. So... <laughs> A couple of years before, Heinrich has a delegate come to England to ask whether he can marry Matilda. This is great for England because the Holy Roman Emperor is, I mean, he's the Holy Roman Emperor. He's hes huge. He's the big dog in this period. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's them and France, right? So, And so when she is eight, Matilda goes off and she goes to live her new life in the Holy Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get married to him straight away because obviously she's eight. But she goes to live there, eventually gets married and spends a lot of time learning the ropes of medieval power and kingship. As, as like one example, this is, this is actually, Georgia, my favourite story about Matilda, mm. even more than her attempt for the English throne, mm. is that at 16, she is in Italy with her husband, what is now Italy, but, you know, Italian states. So she gets kind of crowned empress she's actually never properly crowned empress because she's not crowned by the pope and you have to be crowned by the pope to get the title but the relationship had gone drastically south between Heinrich and the pope and he'd actually been excommunicated and when they went to Rome together the pope ran away so he couldn't <laughs> sometimes you just got to run and so they leave the city after Matilda is crowned empress by a cardinal I think he's a cardinal, but he's also being excommunicated because of his help of Heinrich. So, you know, it's a bit of a... It's not gone to plan, but it does allow Matilda to have the title Empress to use that title for the rest of her life. And my goodness, she milks that title. As you would do, I think, Georgia. So Heinrich has to go back to his regions, like in Germany. There's a rebellion in northern Germany, isn't there, that he has to go and deal with? Yeah, there's a rebellion in North Germany. He has to go and put it out. So he leaves his 16-year-old wife in charge 
of his Italian provinces by herself. So she's just running the show at 16. In 1120, Matilda's brother dies, Mm. which is slightly problematic when her mother has already died. Ah, so no more kids. So Henry has no other legitimate children besides Matilda. He does remarry on the hope that he will get more, but nothing comes of it. He marries. A, he remarries a woman called Adeliza, but no children happen. So Matilda tries to go home at one point to visit her father post William To secure death. up her succession. <laughs> there has been speculation that it was something to do with the succession. I'm sure when that happened, she and her husband were particularly interested mm. in the throne. But that is conjecture that has been made. So she can't go back. She stays in she stays in the Holy Roman Empire. But then, so in eleven twenty five, disaster strikes and her husband dies, which means that Matilda ends up going back to her father uh, in Normandy and then back to England with Henry. And at Christmas in eleven twenty six, Henry gets everybody, all the nobles, to swear allegiance to her that she will be his heir. Yeah, which is a pretty big deal because. There are there are cases of women having power in their own right on the continent, but not queens. I mean, there's no laws against it, but it's just not really done, is it? So, and there's not much more you can do to assure that your daughter inherits the throne in these periods than get like every single noble to swear to it. Like, yeah. and so he actually does this. Tw- he does this twice. Yeah, he, it just doubles up as well. Eleven thirty-one, and so because she's going to be the next regnant, he's like, you have to get married now. Mm. And so he arranges a marriage to a, a man called Geoffrey of Anjou. That's a big problem for Matilda. He's destined to be the Count of Anjou, and she has just been Empress of the Holy Roman Empire. So anything was going to be a step down, but this is a pretty big step down. He's also 14, and she's like, what, 25 at this point or something? Yeah, he's so much younger than her. She's not happy. So it's actually a very unhappy marriage for a while, but eventually they give birth to... First Henry, then they, they actually have a few children. She and Geoffrey get into an argument with Henry I because there's something... Henry I wasn't very good at relinquishing land and, and castles and things, and he had given as a dowry a bunch of castles along the Anjou-Normandy border mm. and hadn't really given up control of them. So they were wanting control of those. So there was a bit of an argument and... Basically, she is in Anjou when Henry dies. And that is up to that point, which is Henry dies in December of 1135. She's also pregnant and married to someone that the nobles of England do not like at this point. Politically, where Anjou is, Mm. there's a lot of people who don't like the marriage because it gives the Anjou family too much power in their eyes and it threatens their own land. So... We've got up to Henry dying. Should we go back again and do it all for Stephen? Go for it. Okay. What happened? So Stephen, obviously not the ki- the son of a king, but he is the nephew to the king Henry I. He is son of the Count of Blois and the younger brother of Theobald, who will become the Count of Blois later on. In 1125, he gets married. Guess what the name of his wife is? Is it Matilda? Yeah. (laughs) And she is the daughter and heir to the Count of Boulogne. Unlike Henry I's daughter, Matilda, who has obviously gone away to the Holy Roman Empire at this point, Stephen is still in England. 
He is used tons by Henry I for diplomacy and all sorts. He's by far, he's described as Henry I's favourite nephew. Um, So he's used diplomatically a lot. For example, when the Count of Flanders is assassinated and Henry's older brother is elected and that doesn't go down very well, it is uh, Stephen who is sent to deal with that on Henry I's behalf. Um, He's at the court lots. He's recorded at least one Christmas to be by the king's side. Possibly at the time of Stephen's marriage. This is one of those things where we just don't have the evidence to prove it, but it's mentioned and it might be true. It's possible that when Stephen gets married and when that partnership is made, Henry I is expecting him to be the heir. He might be the preferred successor of Henry I at that point. He was sort of considered as Henry's protege. He's following in his footsteps a lot. He is the grandson of William the Conqueror and the king doesn't have a son. I'm just trying to set out the arguments for how we could see this as reasonable, okay? Because I know... Nick is looking very angry at me right now because she is a very strong Matilda supporter. But I'm just... We've got to be non-biased, okay? Do we? Also importantly is that... Henry I's eldest brother is still knocking around. We've mentioned him before. Uh, Robert Curthos. And many people might arguably favour him as a successor. But Henry is not having that under any circumstance. Stevens, he's considered a very energetic and effective soldier. Now, whatever people say later on about his leadership abilities, he is considered a very good soldier. And the guest of Stefani, one of the chronicles of the time, describes him very nicely. Whatever you say about him, he does seem very loving. He's very kind and gentle. Offered a shortcoming of him, actually. That's that He suffers because of that a few times. Because that's what medieval people wanted in their kings. Also, Henry... The first is very strongly, with all of his nobles, doesn't believe in people just getting there through bloodline. He really wants people to get there through merit. He awards he rewards merit, not bloodline normally, is what Henry I is known for. Bit ironic, really. Um, Stephen rises through the court, not only because of his high birth then, but also because it says that he has impeccable manners, he's very loyal in his service, and he's basically just a model courtier. Sometimes that's described as a bad thing, that he's a bit too obsessed with his dignity and what is chivalrous and sort of the correct way to behave is often seen as sort of too nice. But these are all things that are standing in quite good stead for him. That's pretty much leads us up to where Stephen is. There's a lot less exciting stuff really that's um, reported because he's not travelling all over the world at this point. The most important thing to know is when Henry I dies... On the 1st of December, 1135, Stephen is nearer the crown than Matilda. Dun, dun, dun. Going on to when Henry dies. As we've said, he's asked all of his courtiers to proclaim once that Matilda will be queen. And then again, when she remarries, he once again, he's like, I'm going to ask them again. It should all be shored up that someone sends out a little message to Matilda. She comes over with or without her husband um, and starts ruling. However, Stephen claims that on Henry's deathbed, he said that he regretted this. We will never know whether that's true or not. It's a bit late to get cold feet on your deathbed, isn't it? Mm. Crucially, in this time, as we've mentioned, Norman kings, they tend to just sort of do what they want. Technically, Henry I should never have been king. That just sort of happened. 
most importantly, you have to move fast. And Stephen moves fast. As we've said, Matilda is pregnant and very far away. So there's not much she can do about it. She probably doesn't even know it's all happened before Stephen's done it. I don't think she knows that Henry's died until basically the day it's almost as if the rider pulls up to tell Matilda that her father's died as Stephen's sitting on the throne. It's not literally. Yeah. That's how I see it happening. Yeah. So he is in Stephen, not in England actually, but is closer. Um, He's in Boulogne when he hears. And he rushes straight to London where he's received by the people of London. They really like him because as I say, he's got a bit of a history in um, London and they all really like him. They think he's great and he's nice. And it is really... Then that he rushes to Winchester, which is where the treasury is kept in this period. So obviously, if you got the money, you can keep the throne. Um, So he goes to London, gets the people to like him, goes to Winchester, where his younger brother has been bishop, also called Henry. (laughs) So his younger brother is the bishop in Winchester, so kind of watching over the treasury and he needs the treasury and they sort that out for him. Then he promises a load of different things to the church, including canonical election, which is an argument you see throughout history with like the throne versus the church. The church believe that it should be, you know, like the archbishop's choice and high up people, the Pope and stuff, should be choosing the key senior church officers, whereas the kings often like to have a bit of a say. He promises that he's not going to get involved and that it's the it's the church's decision. So they like him. So he's already got the people, he's got the treasury, and now he's got the church on his side. So he's doing quite well. And then he promises all the lay magnates a load of wider reforms. So that wraps that up, really. And Stephen is crowned by the Archbishop William of Canterbury on the 22nd of December, 1135. So it kind of just goes off without a hitch he promises all of the men all the liberties and good laws that they enjoyed under his predecessors so i mean if you think about it matilda's not there the gesto in particular really emphasizes that there's no one else there to take the throne it's a bit of a vacuum and people are having a problem and actually stephen just steps in to fulfill that role and everyone's happy why wouldn't they be because they've got a guy on the throne which is always more trusted than a woman and um they're all being given what they wanted so that should be the end of that really Right, so there are the biographies done. Your uh, excuses for Stephen. <laughs> they are feeble, in my opinion, but whatever. So now it's time to actually talk about the anarchy. Yeah. And we're going to do it via castles. Since this is podcastles, it seems like a logical structure to take. Yes. We can say, so for a couple of years, Stephen rules mm-hmm. in England. To start with, Matilda and Geoffrey take those castles that were rightfully theirs with the border of Anjou and Normandy because of the dowry. And Matilda stays in one of those while Geoffrey goes and harasses everybody in Normandy and starts his little campaign against against them and, and does that. Matilda's not got a ton of backing behind her. A lot of the nobles actually, when they did meet Matilda when she came home between her marriages, they didn't like her. They found her a bit arrogant, things like that. Even her half-brother who is King Henry I's illegitimate son, Robert of Gloucester. He pledges allegiance to... Stephen originally. Stephen as well. Mm. The major turning point we see is when Robert of Gloucester renounces his fealty to Stephen, says that that was a breach of the agreements that were made whilst Henry I was still alive because Matilda was said to be on the throne next. 
And he comes out for the Empress Matilda. Also, Stephen was a bit too nice sometimes. And barons are using that weakness to build a lot of castles in Normandy and in England without really permission. So his nobles get start getting a bit too strong for him. We start to see a series of risings throughout the west of England. Yes, there's a few there's a few things and and the King of Scotland, David of Scotland, is uh, harassing England as well. And it, it just it the the tension it builds and it builds and it builds and eventually it pops. And Stephen is also at this point trying to maintain his control. Yeah. Edmund King says that the problem, particularly with Stephen in this period, is he is responding to emergencies as they pop up rather than getting ahead of them. So people keep, there's lots of besieging and he is just continuously losing power, gets particularly bad once Matilda lands in the country. And where does she go first, Nikita? She she lands at Arundel Castle. When was that again? So this is in 1139. And Arundel Castle is is a great place for her to land because it is the home of Adeliza of Louvain, who was her stepmother. Mm. So Adeliza, after the death of Henry I, she remarries a man called William Daubigny. I think that's how you pronounce it, but that might be wrong. So sorry if it is. Uh, and they have a bunch of kids. Mm. Uh, they have seven, actually. While obviously they are they are in England, Adeliza is a big fan of her of, of Empress Matilda's, and so she allows them to come and stay. She's like, "You can land here. I'll look after you." Yeah, kind of. Also, you know, it's it's the because she is the Dowager Queen. She's she's got a little bit more uh, protection from from Stephen, I think, than than others might have. So they arrive at the end of uh, September and is Robert and Matilda. Robert takes a few people and they go straight off to Bristol Castle, which is his castle. And Matilda goes and stays with Adeliza. Stephen gets word of this. Stephen goes and sieges, besieges the castle. But for several reasons, he actually lets Matilda go and he gives her safe passage to Bristol Castle. And not only that, but he... He gets Bishop Henry, his brother, to take her. Yeah. There is a couple of reasons. Some people say that it's because... It could have been strategic, but it could have also been him being a little bit too chivalric. Mm. It is hard to be a chivalric king when your opponent is a woman because he just sort of steps down a lot. He never wants to give that final blow, does he? No, he doesn't. But that you do see that in other in other scenarios as well where he besieges castles and then the people submit and he's like, all right, then don't worry. But also, Arundel Castle, it's worth saying, that it has particularly fantastic walls. It's pretty strong. And so it's quite likely that he wouldn't have been able to breach those walls. So you can starve the castle out, but he couldn't get into it sort of thing. Yeah. So Matilda goes off to Bristol Castle. Bristol Castle, which is where her brother is. And she, she goes for a, a walk with um, Bishop Henry down to Bristol. Casual stroll. But he's, he's a bit of a turncoat, as we'll see later on in the story. And so potentially... That's not the wisest person to leave your your uh, enemy alone with, even though it is his, it is Stephen's own brother. So Bristol Castle, there's not. I don't know if there's much to say on Bristol Castle at this point in the in the story. It, it's it's one of their bases. If you look at the way England is divided up, Stephen has London and sort of the south southeast, the the, the east and the north, and Matilda has the southwest. Mm. 
So she's got Cornwall and Devon and and Bristol and places and Gloucester and places like that. So that's how how the countries are divided up. This is something you might be able to clear up for me a little bit. Whilst I was doing my research, mm-hmm. I read that Matilda and Robert are going along, taking places. Stephen is going along behind them, trying to take them back, re-besieging, whatever. And then Miles of Gloucester is going along behind Stephen and retaking the ones that he's left. So Miles of Gloucester was the sheriff of Gloucestershire and he turned out for Matilda. He was a really big supporter of Matilda's and he actually became one of her sort of inner circle along with a man called... Uh, guess what his name was, Georgia, given given everything. Was it Henry? That was Brian. Uh. Brian Fitzcount, who we have mentioned in previous episodes, Georgia. We have indeed, yes. He had Wallingford Castle. Wallingford is also going to turn up in this episode. And so Brian, Brian was important as a military figure for Matilda. And so, I mean, really, we should move on to Worcester Castle, Georgia. Okay, tell us about Worcester Castle. Some particular battles there, but I think really we'll be getting into that quite a lot. When, when we, we get to that castle. Yeah. yeah, so I think for now we should just say that it was there were some key fights there. Worcester Castle was particularly uh, key in this period. But we're actually going to move swiftly on to the Siege of Lincoln Castle. Yeah, which was the 2nd of February, 1141. Nice date. Thanks for that. It's really important. The Siege of Lincoln is key. And I can tell you for why, Georgia. That is where Stephen... Is captured. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. So that's the end of that, right? And then Matilda's queen and then end of story. That's it. So then Matilda's our first queen regnant. And <laughs> so there's quite a good story behind the back yeah. of the Siege of Lincoln. Do you want to tell it? Or I, I don't know if I know as much as you about it. You're a bit of the expert for the anarchy, really. I know that during the battle, Stephen, uh, he's said to have fought very bravely, but then what king isn't said to have fought bravely during battle he uses a norse axe which is pretty sick and i know that he's like knocked off his horse and then captured and he's taken to bristol castle which is where bristol becomes really important yeah so i'm gonna fill in some gaps for you okay let's go back to a man called ranulph who ranulph the earl of chester so Ranulph the Earl of Chester is Robert of Gloucester's son-in-law. Robert, Matilda's half-brother. Until sort of around this time, Ranulph had been kind of for Stephen, but he's basically out for himself. He decides that it's a great opportunity in 1140 to take Lincoln Castle for himself. Right. It is called the Anarchy for a reason. Everything just sort of goes to pot, doesn't it? Exactly. So... And, you know, Georgia, when you think of taking a castle, how would you take one? I would surround it mm-hmm. and starve it out, which is known as a siege. Mm. So basically you surround it with your men and then they can't get anything in and they can't get out and therefore eventually they run out of food and water. Good option, but that's not what he does. He sends his wife in for like a fun fun visit to the Castellan's wife. Right. He's like, why don't you go for tea? She's like, okay. So then he turns up. To bring her home. He's like, you go for supper. I'll come in. I will, you know, say, hi, how are you all? And then I'll take the castle. And that's what he does. What? So once once he's let inside, they uh, go, mm, this is mine now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Stephen, as one can imagine... Is not happy. Not. He is one unhappy bunny. So he 
goes and does what you have so aptly described as the sensible military tactic of the period. This is a sort of around the Christmas time and Ranulf doesn't really have anyone in the castle. He's basically just taking it with his knights a few nights. So Stephen's like, I'll be having you back. And he surrounds the castle and Ranulf has already run off. Nice. Yeah. And he goes and he goes and he, he, he manages to get a message to Matilda and says, I'm giving you fealty. You know, I'm now your person. Can you help me? Because I've left my wife in the castle. He doesn't seem to care about his wife very much, does he? He puts her in a lot of danger. I mean, I guess it's quite clever because his wife is Robert of Gloucester's daughter. Of course, they're going to go and help her. Robert's not really got a choice. He's like, right, that's my daughter you've left in the castle. So I'm going to go and help. Mm, That is clever. I'm sure she was thrilled. (laughs) And so Robert and Ranulph head back up to Lincoln and they decide to attack Stephen's army that's there. Mm. And so they do. Stephen, yeah, you're right. Stephen is portrayed really well in the in the stories uh, of how this went down. It's actually you mentioned earlier that Stephen's father was in the Crusades. Yeah, and Stephen's father is actually seen as a massive coward. Yeah, he leaves during the Battle of Antioch, and he is not very liked for leaving. No, and I think I've read I've read several sources that have said this was a ghost that kind of went with Stephen wherever he was. And so Stephen, in this situation, was like, "This we're not going to be a coward. I'm, I'm going to stay and fight. And he gets hit over the head and take a prisoner. If someone just hits him over the head with a rock. Yeah, so he's got the king. So Robert then packages him up. <laughs> not literally. But he then takes them... Matilda. To, he, he's going to be... Yeah, well, Matilda's at Gloucester Castle... So they go to Bristol Castle via Gloucester Castle. And there are, annoyingly, Georgia, absolutely no records of what was said. Because in my head, she just had the sassiest response to him. We don't know what was said. And I just, I really wish we knew I wish what was yeah, exchanged. Yeah, that would be interesting. That seems all pretty good for Matilda, but that's not the end of the story, is it? No. So while Stephen's in chains, she makes her next move, which involves her going... To Winchester. Which is the stage that you do. You have to go to London, you have to go to Winchester. Go to Winchester, get the treasury, and then you go to London to get crowned. Just like Stephen should did. be super easy. Yeah. There's no one to rival her now. Easy, right? Stephen's gone. And, it, and it, kind of is, it kind of is pretty easy to an extent at this stage. Bishop Henry, who's in Winchester and has his castle And is the there, brother of he, Stephen. Is the brother of Stephen. Is very, very happy to say, yeah, Stephen was wrong. Yeah, he doesn't put up much of a brotherly fight, does he? No, not really. So he 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 does this big speech about why they should now be supporting Matilda and she is declared the Lady of England. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a couple of biographers of Matilda who we'll, we'll link to in, in the notes on the blog and they talk about how it's quite interesting that she's called the Lady of England because she couldn't just be named Queen because in Oldie English... Queen. Queen is a derivative of Quen, which is what we used to call queens. And that actually means wife of the king. So you can't have ultimate power and be queen. So she's basically what a, what a number of historians describe as like a female king is what they're putting her as. So they're calling her the Lady of England. So all of that happens. You have some Londoners come down. They profess their happiness with this. And then she's about to head to Westminster. To be crowned. To be crowned. It's around this point. Georgia, that the Chronicles become particularly vicious towards her. And I think it's worth just saying, because actually there are a lot of sources 
that just say she's really arrogant and really horrible and stuck up and she's she's making up her own mind. And, but then if she didn't, they'd be saying she was weak and a rubbish ruler. So she's kind of in a position where she's damned if she does and she's damned yeah. if she doesn't. The problem is, is that in the period, women aren't meant to be that outspoken. But as a, as a ruler, you have to be that outspoken. It's a problem we see a lot in women of the medieval period. Yes. They just don't really know what, what their position is. They, 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 it's very conflicted in, in the chronicles and with people at the time as to what how, how much power women should be allowed to have and that they should you know it's a, we should probably do an episode on, on something like that and, and the power and women holding castles I think that would be quite interesting so there is a fateful night yes in London so because the way it's presented is that the London has become more and more riled by Empress Matilda and during this whole thing that's going on Bishop Henry starts to ask Empress Matilda if his nephew Eustace, who is the son of Stephen, can have the lands and titles that Stephen had. Mm. Matilda says no. You don't really want someone to be powerful, do you, who's the son of an ex-king? Well, he's not even supposed to have been the king. From her perspective, he's the usurper. Like, you wouldn't really want to give the son of your arch-rival all the strength that your arch-rival had had yeah. and give him any more ammunition to have the throne, right? So his mother... Queen Matilda, who's pretty influential and important on Stephen's side anyway, and you can probably talk more about that, Georgia, she's not having any of that. She's not happy. So she actually helps to incite the Londoners against Empress Matilda. Just before the ceremonial banquet that happens before the coronation, the Londoners bear down and Matilda actually has to run away because they broach, they, they, they break in, they, they're coming for her. So it's a really narrow escape for Winchester. Sheen, Robert of Gloucester and Brian Fitzcount and everyone else is just like, go, 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 let's go to Winchester. They want, they want the treasury. Bishop Henry's escaped, so they go there and they decide to siege the city. But Bishop Henry has actually gone to Queen Matilda. So it basically is the, the battle, the siege of Lincoln in reverse. So instead of uh, Matilda's army attacking Stephen's army, who are besieging a castle. Mm. Queen Matilda's army besieges the Empress's army and the Empress escapes, supposedly in a coffin, but that's obviously just a rumour, and Robert of Gloucester is captured. So now we have Empress Matilda's most important man and Stephen both being held by the opposite sides. Exactly. That's obviously a bit of a problem and no amount of sort of discussions are going to work to sort of help with one side basically the only way they're going to be able to continue is Robert for Stephen and it's actually quite an elaborate exchange they have to do several different levels of of different people being exchanged to make sure that no one was going to renege Mm. on their promises and all of this stuff so but of course now we're back to square one again yeah it's the start of the 1140s and they're basically back to square one they've both been taken they've both been given back if this was a chessboard we'd be saying None of you know how to play chess. <laughs> so what's next on our route of the most important castles? The next we're going to go to Oxford. Mm, which is one of Matilda's main bases. And we have discussed how important Oxford Castle was for the anarchy before. Yes. So let's not retell that whole story. No, let's not. I won't retell the whole story. I'll give some context around it. And I, I also need to say that none of this isn't happening quite as quickly as I'm putting these castles together, there are some other bits in between. Bits in between. Yeah. But I just like, well, you know, 
podcastles for a reason, Georgia. So Matilda goes to Oxford Castle and she's there. Robert of Gloucester actually leaves. And it's important to give this context because Robert of Gloucester is Matilda's military man. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So Brian is at Wallingford. Robert actually goes to Normandy because Geoffrey... We'd all forgotten about Geoffrey, hadn't we? Geoffrey of Angers. Oh, her husband, husband, yeah. Him. That guy. The the footnote in this whole story. He, he's fighting in Normandy and he's not... He needs some help. So Robert goes out there and Geoffrey basically ekes out the trip. He keeps Robert there longer, trying to get him to help. He's obviously... Robert's a very good military strategist and everything. So Matilda's on her own. And... Stephen decides to siege the, besiege the castle. And Oxford, we, as we said in the Oxford Castle episode, Georgia, it's a really strong fortification. So they manage to hold out for ages, but eventually they're running out of supplies and it's getting really dire. So Matilda decides to escape. And I do think this and the Battle of Lincoln have got to be the best moments for me in the anarchy mm. because I just think it's incredible. If the legends are to be believed... She basically wears a white cloak and slips out past the guards, but past the sieges, Stephen's army in the snow, camouflaged in a white cloak. She runs across the Oxfordshire countryside over over the Thames that's there and and goes to Wallingford and goes to Brian and is safe. Can you imagine Stephen's face when he's like, oh, good morning, everyone. What happened in the night? Uh, the Empress got away. Yeah. He'd just be sat there, Georgia, and you'd be going, what is my luck? Yeah. And so there's a few other battles and sieges, but these are really the key moments and the key castles within the period. Robert, during the siege of Oxford Castle, they are trying to get information to Robert, but he can't get home because the ports are being blocked off. So he has to fight his way through. And it's just going quite south for Matilda at this point. And it ends up getting to a point where Matilda makes the decision that her only option, the only way for her family to kind of win back the direct line from Henry the First is to bring in her son, Henry. Who is the grandson of Henry the First. And the most originally named person. Yes. And (laughs) technically, if she had have won the foot throne and secured it he would have been the natural heir. So whilst she then accepts that she might not become queen, she goes, look, let's just do this for the good of the lineage now and just say, let's at least get us back on track again and have my son inherit. Henry comes across and has a little fight, joins in with all the sieges and battles and uh, is trying to help the cause of his own cause and his mum's cause. And he runs out of money goes horribly wrong really and Stephen this is one of the cases where Stephen is just a bit too nice and despite apparently Matilda not willing to help out um, Stephen pays off Henry's soldiers who are very angry because he hasn't been able to afford to pay them and pays for Henry's travel back across the channel. Now we then start to have some deaths happen Robert Earl of Gloucester Matilda's half-brother dies in October of 47 and her husband Geoffrey of Anjou dies in September of 51. Empress Matilda's son Henry is now Duke of Anjou. In 52 he also marries Eleanor of Aquitaine and so they come to a conclusion. Everyone just goes I'm sick of this now we're done with this. 
And Matilda says, look, if I can't be queen, let's at least get the lineage back on track to my father's line. So what happens is that Matilda manages to... Matilda officially hands it over kind of at this event that happens at Devizes Castle. So in 1149, there's a situation where she needs to give the castle back to the, the ecclesiastical owner of the castle. And so Henry comes across... This is 1149. Henry comes across. Matilda goes back to Normandy. And Henry gives the castle back over. Um, But that's actually, that happens before Geoffrey dies. So as we spoke about um, last episode, it's actually in Wallingford that this uh, agreement is drawn up. And then the Treaty of Winchester is where it is ratified. And that brings us to the end of the anarchy, where we decide Stephen can rule. Henry will take over. Stephen actually only lasts another year or so, doesn't he? And then Henry of Anjou, Matilda, Empress Matilda's son, becomes Henry II. So there's a couple of things, Georgia. Firstly, it's to become Stephen's heir. Stephen technically adopts Henry. So people have said it's a bit bitter for Matilda because after all of that fighting, essentially... On paper, her son Henry only gets the throne because he's adopted by her enemy and therefore the line continues. Obviously, Stephen's sons are not pleased. But ultimately, it works out. Henry calls himself Henry Fitz Empress, which is Henry, the son of the Empress. And that's how he is known. He gets crowned with the Holy Roman Empire crown that his mother takes from the Holy Roman Empire when she leaves so it's all of this sort of empress empirical like imagery around it because he's obviously proud of his mother's heritage and it's quite useful for him. So that is how the whole thing ends. And then he becomes Henry II and orders all of the castles that were built during the anarchy to be taken down. Because there's just too many of them. That basically brings us to the end of this episode. We hope you like this slightly different style that we went for today. We hope that clears up a lot of the anarchy stuff, very related to Oxfordshire, but will also be super useful in the future. As you can see, a lot of castles in the anarchy. So it's nice to clear that up. And Georgia, which is your favourite? Which was your favourite castly moment in this? I think possibly Wallingford, just because it was so out of the blue and it's not one that's really known of anymore and it's just was so cool so important yeah it's a good one that or Oxford so I really like the siege of Lincoln but I think that's mm. a bit I don't know if that's a bit basic but I also like Arundel but that's partly because of Frozen <laughs> so that brings us to the end of Oxfordshire as well now we will be moving on next time won't we yeah where are we moving on to Georgia moving on to Berkshire next yes mainly because we want to get some nice Christmassy stuff in don't we there is some good Christmassy stuff to talk about so we'd love to know what you think of this kind of episode we'd love to know what your favourite castles were so tweet us we're at podcastles1 and you can also reach us I'm at Nikki Bethany what are you on Georgia Georgia's on there let us know what you think and yeah and all of our notes from this all of the sources we've used and sort of a little overview will be on the website podcastles.co.uk you'll be able to see all of the show notes there and of course don't forget to rate review and subscribe and we will see you next week bye yes bye
basically saying, if you don't do me any harm, if you don't cause any problems with my lands, I'll just accept this. But then some stuff happens and he goes, actually, that was wrong with me. I am declaring for my sister. And that's when things start turning around for Matilda. It really starts to kick off. Stephen's very nice, which is actually not a great quality at the moment. The barons are actually using this to build loads of castles in Normandy and in England without permission. 